Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. How do we, as Hebrews says, run with perseverance the race that is set before us? Because that is ultimately the question today's reading from Hebrews seeks to address, right? It begins with this great catalog of biblical celebrities, Gideon, Samson, David. People were told to obtain promises, quenched fire, and who shut the mouths of lions. These are people whose race was one of victory and strength. But in verse 35, there is a shift in the tone of the letter. And the shift is so subtle, you may have missed it. But it's a shift that would have been felt by the people to whom this letter was first read. And the shift happens around a single word in our passage from Hebrews, and that one word is others. After hearing about the Hebrew Hall of Fame, David, Samson, the great spiritual giants of old, we are then reminded there were others. Others who suffered, others who were stoned, others whose life was unbearably hard, others who hit a wall and who wanted to quit others who had to find a way to persevere in the midst of feeling very lonely and sad and afraid. Not everyone we are reminded today lived this life of victory and power. There were others. So I was ordained a deacon in June of 2008. I was 14 years old at the time. I was 26 years old at the time, and to say that I was excited about the race of ordained ministry set before me, this would have been an understatement. I had this great new job as the Episcopal chaplain to the University of Texas. My faith was obnoxiously strong. You know, forget shutting the mouths of lions and quenching raging fire. I was going to do something so much more impressive in the eyes of God. I was going to teach a bunch of wild college students to shape up, love Jesus, and stop sinning. I was ready for the race. I had some new gear, a really clear map of what I thought the ministerial terrain looked like, had lots of Red Bull, I was ready for the race. Two days after my ordination, I got a phone call. My mother had died quite unexpectedly. And in less than a second, I was another. My confidence, gone. My clarity about my call, gone. My felt sense of the presence of God, Gone. I had not even taken my first step as a deacon, and I had hit a wall. And to be honest, I did not know how or if I could persevere. 
Now, that was a really long time ago, and there's been so much healing and grace in my life since that time, but I share this with you because I am willing to bet that you can think of a time in your life when you have been an other, a time when you did not know if you could persevere, a time when cynicism or sadness or fear felt more real to you than the ever-near presence of God. Because the whole point of today's reading from Hebrews is to encourage people who feel discouraged in their faith and to remind them of something that far too often we forget. Namely, that what enables us to persevere in this Christian life is not our endurance, our stamina, our grit, our confidence, our anything, but rather the grace of a Lord who runs in us and beside us and for us and with us. Today's reading uses two very specific words to drive this point home. Jesus, we are told, is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. First, the pioneer. Um, there's a translation of the Greek word that I like a little bit better, and that's the word author. Jesus, we are told, is the author of our faith story. The point being that before our conception, our whole life was a concept in the heart and mind of a very good God. And what this means is that all those parts of our story that we do not like, the sins, the mistakes, the bad things that happen to us, the mean things people do, the moments we hit a wall and collapse, it is all known and accounted for by the author of our story well in advance. It is not a problem from God's perspective. Next, we're told that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. And this word perfecter, it derives from the Greek word telos, which means to complete or to bring something to its perfect and intended end. And so to understand this concept of the perfecter of our faith, I want to give you an image. And so I want you to imagine yourself right now at the foot of a hill. And on the other side of the hill is a valley which you cannot see because it is blocked by the crest of the hill. And as you stand at the foot of this hill, you are blindfolded by a man and you are given an archer's bow. This man then hands you an arrow and he says, fire away. Now, obviously, you cannot see a thing, but you decide to give it a try, and so off you go shooting one arrow after another over a hill you cannot see into a valley you cannot see. And after you fired about 100 arrows or so, you're told to put the bow down, and then the man says, well, let's go see how you did. He takes you by the hand, and he walks you down the path over the hill, and when you get to the very bottom, down into the valley, he takes off your blindfold, and right in front of you is a target. And to your great surprise, you see that every single arrow you fired hit not just the target, but the bullseye. And you have no idea how this happened, only that your success had nothing to do 
with your expertise, and you're just filled with gratitude and reverence and silence and joy because not a single arrow you fired was lost. But not only that, every single one hit the bullseye. To say that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith is to affirm our Christian hope that in Christ, nothing in our life gets lost. And that in the fullness of time, the goodness of God will see to it that your whole life hits the bullseye. That even the misfires and the blind shots, that these too will be included in God's reconciliation of your life and God's reconciliation of this world. Jesus will bring the whole thing to perfection. Everything about today's reading is meant to point us to this graciousness and this competence we see in Jesus. I mean, just consider how the reading ends with this sweeping claim that for the sake of the joy set before him, Jesus was willing to endure a cross. Jesus knew where his race would end, and for the sake of the joy set before him, Jesus ran it anyway. Which to me begs the question, what is this joy to which today's reading refers? What joy enabled Jesus to persevere? Was it the glory of heaven? Was it divine status? Maybe his father's blessing? And of course, we know it can't be any of these things because all of that was Jesus's from the foundation of the world. And so, what joy did Jesus not have? What is it that he wanted so badly? What did Jesus love so much that made him willing to die on a cross? And the answer, of course, is us that you were the joy set before Jesus, that I was the joy set before Jesus, and that it was love, love for us, love for humanity, love for this world, love that enabled Jesus to persevere. And the same is always true for us as well. Only divine love enables us to persevere. Not grit, not willpower, not determination, not necessity, just love. Jesus' love in us and for us, Jesus' love with us and through us, a divine love that is always, always available. And so I don't know where you are in your faith story at the moment, but if you feel like you have hit a wall, I am so proud of you for coming to church today because sometimes the most accurate measure of courage we have is just a willingness to show up. Or maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you're running that race right now with gusto and zeal and lots of enthusiasm. Or maybe you're just somewhere in between. That too is also wonderful. You also are right where you need to be in your author's story. Because the great beauty of being the church is that we all get to run together, that we're never alone, and that in our baptism, we were all given a trophy before the race even began.
Amen.